Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Mudgear Battle Alliance pro, Evan Preparis. I've got two familiar faces slash voices on the line with me. Uh, let's bring one of them on, then we'll introduce our sponsors, then we'll bring the other on. So starting off, I have Doug Snyder, one of my Mudgear Battle Alliance pro teammates, former Conquer the Gauntlet pro, and eight-time Conquer the Gauntlet uh, Masters podium finisher. Doug, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. All right. So this episode is brought to you by Race Ready Obstacles. Race Ready Obstacles makes a lot of the grips that you've been seeing on Battle of the Lines, the grips that you've been seeing on OCR World Championships, and the grips you've been seeing on Indian Mud Run this past weekend. So great products. I've got them hanging in my rig in my garage. Love them. Uh, Doug, what are some of your thoughts on Race Ready Obstacles? Um, They're very innovative, uh, super heavy duty, and I definitely enjoy using them at home. Yeah, same. So I was, I always kind of viewed them as a, uh, so their price points a little bit lower than some of the other brands. So I always viewed them. I was like, oh, well, they're, they're a cheaper company. And when I, the, the first set of grips I ordered from them that showed up, I was like, damn, these are so nice. Like they feel so much nicer when you get like a brand new fresh pair than when you're like sweaty and I'm going through a rig and kind of like not really paying attention. So yeah. 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 And so head over to race ready obstacles. Uh, their two owners, uh, husband and wife are both awesome. So, uh, you know, local brand or kind of a smaller brand, but really high quality stuff. And like I said, it's at a lower price point. So you're going to you're going to really enjoy it. All right. Let's bring on our other guest, former Conquer the Gauntlet Pro and second place finisher at OCR World Championships in her age group this past year. Plus a whole string of other podiums that I'm not going to run through because we'll be here all night. Lisa Nondorf. Lisa, welcome back. Thanks, guys. I'm happy to be back. And also the only mermaid I've ever had on the show. If you're confused <laughs> about that, you can go back and listen to her episode. Go back to old footage. I mm-hmm. think that's the Jenny Overstreet and you episode, if that sounds correct. And yeah, then, that I I think it is. And then also my only professional high diver that I know. Yeah, so. yeah, we actually got to see some Red Bull high diving this uh, like a week ago. Cool. Yeah, cool. we're gonna get to In that. Your, your trip <laughs> looked awesome, and I'm super jealous because you were going to Greece. And mm-hmm. Europe and some other parts mm-hmm. that look look like a lot of fun. So yeah, also, I'm going to give you a, a quick shout out plug to my book on endurance. So Lisa's in there. Uh, mm-hmm. She's got a quote about, you know, kind of, I think it's overcoming injury or fear. I can't remember what it is. I haven't read my own book in a couple of months. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it could be either. So check it, check out on endurance. Again, that's not for just for OCR endurance. It's for anyone looking to improve in endurance sports. So mm-hmm. uh, pass mm-hmm. it around. It's my, it's my, attempt at spreading the OCR world to the non-OCR world, kind of highlighting some of the athletes that are in there, but also taking lessons that are applicable across the entire endurance sports world. So check that out. So this episode, we're going to primarily be talking about the European OCR championships that Doug and Lisa both went to. And we're also going to mention, talk a little bit at the end about uh, NNL Worlds, so National Ninja League World Championships that both of them went to. And then also I want to talk a little bit about the local race I did um, just wanted to give them a quick shout out. So Junction City Athletic Center, uh, Filthy Monkey Race. So we'll talk about that at the very, very end. That's right. the best name ever. <laughs> it's a fifth <laughs> annual. They've been going for a while. That's amazing. <laughs> I just won the medal. <laughs> a Filthy Monkey medal. Did they give, no, I don't think we got medals this year, but we did oh. get uh, age group awards. Um, they did like these like octagonal kind of plaques. So. That's so awesome. <laughs> All right, let's jump into uh european ocr championships so doug let's start off with you like explain explain what this is and if it's associated with the ocr world championships that we know okay um 
It is not associated. It's a totally different organization. Um, that uh, the organizer for this event was Federation Italiana OCR, which is <laughs> the Italian Federation of OCR, and they're very well organized there. I've learned um, as of a couple years ago, they had 48,000 members. And as of a couple years ago, they had over 30 professional quality OCRs a year in Italy. Um, and it's also partnered with the European Obstacle Sports Federation, which is, um, I guess it, that's, that's a subpart of the World OCR organization, which represents like 80 countries. That's so the one run by Ian Adamson, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. If if Lisa says so, then yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I, I want to say the European OCR World Championships was around before World OCR. Is that correct? I believe so. The branding is very much the same. So looking at logoing and things like that, it's it's very similar to World OCR. But there is no like um, there's no commentation of the two being related at all. Mm. Mm -hmm. right. And th this was this was a race a couple years ago where like they had a atrocious uh, completion rate. Correct. The one where like <laughs> John Albin, I think, showed up and uh, I think lost the event. Yeah, yeah. 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 They don't seem to worry too much about what the completion rate is. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but I think that that's something that drew us to it was that it was kind of branded as one of the hardest races in the world. And it brought together a lot of really hard elements from other um, European and other parts of the world race companies. So where um, it was similar to OCR Worlds in North American would be they brought multiple race series from yeah. Europe all together and put all their obstacles in. Cool. So it has that same inclusiveness mentality of this obstacle is coming from this race series, this obstacle is coming from this race series, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I'm not sure that that the championship race itself actually had any obstacles that were just what they put in. Everything had a brand from something else on it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I mean, that sounds like a cool event. It sounds like brands are working together to put on a a, a bigger event, which is I think it's a really good thing. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that in the U S with like battle of the lines going out to Indian mud run. And then like you have brands like in the Midwest, like frontline, uh, abominable snow race, Highlander assault, a little bit of battle of the lions race ready obstacles. There's not really a race brand, but kind of working together and, um, you know, having like a kind of like a professional crew setting things up. So that's cool. Right. Lisa, tell me, well, let's start off with what country slash city was it in? It was, Oh, it was in Northern Italy. Uh, Doug, do you remember what city? Was it Terezno? Or is that the... So it was in the Alps. So last year I got done with Worlds and said I won't be running on a ski slope ever again. So I decided that the Alps were a better option. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever say never. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so it was up in the... It was in the Italian Alps. So of Italy. Right, it was like amazing views like ridiculous. And I only ran the short course. So I ran the, they call it a 4k. Uh, and then Doug ran both. He ran the long, cause I said, I'm not running up, up, 
Alp Mountain, and that's what he had to do. Lisa so was scared about that. Yeah, that's why I said he can talk about that. So <laughs> tell me, tell me how many? How many did they have a team event too, or just it was the four K and what was the other one? Fifteen K. They had identical events to what you see at Worlds and at North American. So they had the the short course on friday and then the standard race on saturday and then team event on sunday but they also had the oh and we both did the 100 meter oh interesting and they right. had a 100 meter as well we, um and we did three three opportunities at that yeah. yeah so you could buy either one run three runs that kind of thing into that course and that event sold out so you couldn't once you got on site you couldn't buy additional runs gotcha so let's let's start mm -hmm. at the shortest distance 100 meter how did they do there? Um, I know like we had some trouble at Worlds last year where it turned into like almost a long jump context as people were skipping everything and kind of hitting the bell. Uh, how did their 100 meter look like? Was it longer rigs? Was it super technical obstacles, et cetera? It wasn't highly technical obstacles. It was definitely longer rigs, but the massive difference was the rules. Their yes. rules were firmly strict and there was no getting around them. So even there was like a cargo net you had to jump on and they said, you have to roll. Well, one guy ran it and they sent him back and they mm -hmm. said, absolutely not. You got to go back. You have to roll. Um, and so they sent him back and mm -hmm. then they, you had two chances to complete every obstacle. If you failed on your second, like your second try, you're done with the course. Oh, and you didn't get a medal. You walked off the course. Oh, wow. Mm, and so they did yep. the same format where they sent two people at a time, and it made like an out and back. And so you ended with the warp wall. Oh, yeah, it was it was in an arena setting on the side of the ski resort, and it was uh, it looked like it was a hockey rink in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it went down and back on that amount of space. Um, but it also had a nice grandstand uh, shaded seating yeah. area along the whole long side of it, which was really cool because a lot of people were really into watching that all day long and yeah, just making a, a big scene about it. All day long, it was packed. Yeah. Give me a couple of the obstacles that were in the 100 meter. Monkey bars, rings. There was a pole traverse. Yep. Cargo net roll, the warp wall. Doug, yeah. what else was the two, low rig? Two low walls, like a mm -hmm. like a four or five foot wall and a six foot wall, and then a low rig, which was two really low. It, it was very low. It was a horizontal pipe hanging on chains, and then transferred to a, a low ring, and then back onto another pipe. Um, so it was just and an awkward you transition. Touch the kind ground of, at all? It was a fail. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did did you have to touch the first ring on the holds or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, you couldn't uh, tra you couldn't move your feet. There was a mat underneath it, and you couldn't touch your feet to the mat until you engaged the obstacle. Like you weren't allowed to touch the mat at all right. until you rang the bell. Right. But right, Evan, are you asking on other obstacles if you had to hit the first element yeah. of the obstacle? Yeah. Right. Um. No, you were allowed to jump out and like skip to the second or third bar on the monkey bars or the rings. But there's no way you could just jump the entire obstacle. Yeah. No, no. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, those rigs were all at least double the length. So that make them over 20 feet long. Um, yeah. And also it was clearly stated in the rule somewhere that you had to engage the obstacle and could not just try to jump through it. Gotcha. It, it made me think that they had observed. Balance too. 
the the what was that? Oh that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah, explain it better than me. Beam. Sure. It was uh, it was like a four by four on its edge, so it was like the the pointy angled side of it was up. So to balance on it, you're just on that little knife edge of it, kind of. Oh, interesting. And then and then the second half of the balance beam was just the flat side mm-hmm. of it, and that tripped quite a few people up. So if you overshot things, you had to redo it. So the balance knocked a lot of people out because you only got two shots. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was cool. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like uh, you, you were starting to say they, they observed what OCR, what had an OCRWC and kind of adjusted. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, yeah. I don't, I would, I would be shocked if we have the same issues next year. I think we'll, I mean, you, you right. can fix it a whole bunch of different ways. You can add rules. You have to touch the first. You have to put weight on the first ring of the obstacle. You can even just right. move the bells up higher and like <laughs> physically can't touch them. Right. There's, you can make the rigs yeah. longer. Right. You can, there's a whole bunch of different ways that we can, we can work that right. and kind of uh, right. prevent from yeah. what happened last year. But I'll bet they'll state it in the rules though. Yeah. Well, and like I said, As they well. had no problem calling people, but they didn't care who you were. They That's didn't care if too. you were one of the fastest people there, they would call everyone back. And then they have a very firm rule everyone races with a shirt. So a guy was down there trying to not like to not have a shirt on and the entire audience yelled, he has to have a shirt on. So they sent him back to the stands to get a shirt before they let him race. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Why is mm-hmm. is that to yeah. identify people or they just uh, more, they want more clothing. I don't know. I, I don't, I, it's Europe. You would think they didn't care, but like the, every race <laughs> you had to be wearing a shirt. Yeah. I, I, kind of feel like they want a, a little bit more professional uh, okay. looking you know mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. the different countries a lot of them had all matching jerseys and it mm-hmm. it just felt super professional yeah gotcha. i guess they figured if they have to wear a shirt then they're gonna go all out yeah interesting concept all well, right yeah. I think they had like five judges there at all times they had a a person doing the timing but then they yeah. had two judges and then they had an announcer that was there at all times and then a floating announcer that would come in and out. Yeah. So one one other thing they added different than the OCR Worlds version um at the top of the warped wall they had oh, a button yeah. and they had mm-hmm. the time, you know, a timer right above the button so they had like a, had a good ninja feel there. Now oh, that mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even if you got up the warped it- wall you had to hit the button to stop your time and then yeah. changing lanes they dnf or they disqualified people for changing lanes too hmm. yeah. cool all right so let's that's the 100 meter let's talk about the 4k a little bit uh was it a, was it a mount i mean obviously it was at the alps was it all uphill mm-hmm. <laughs> kind it of like flat. the 3k was uh last no, it was year or was it completely flat oh nice you yeah like, i think I- it only had it was about 1.8 miles doug is that about what you yeah. got yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was. Um, so I think that my elevation on it was about. I don't even think I got two hundred feet. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so it was fast, but there was a swim. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So you had a, a swim, real swim. And it was it was a real swim, but it had rescue dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how how were the difficult were the obstacles? Give me some examples and uh, what were your thoughts on them more for the four K. Um, Probably the, my grip was spent and we still had about four obstacles left. There was a salmon ladder. There was, 
I had to lache to a ring. Doug didn't. He could reach. Um, there was, I'm, I'm going to let you finish, Doug, because there was the twisty one that was, like, really heavy. There was the warp wall. Yeah. Um, I mean, the rigs were just back to back to back. There was yeah, no, it was. There was, I, was there, there was a carry, but it was, like, that was super light. Yeah, yeah. The bucket carry was, like, a half full bucket of water with a mm -hmm. lid on it. Mm -hmm. um, and you could carry it however you wanted. Yeah. But there were. I think there were about 25 obstacles in that distance. So you, you can imagine they were pretty close together, but they had a, a series. Yeah. And the, there was the, a ring hopper. And there was, I mean, it was monkey bars was like the first obstacle, but you had to upswing to get to it. So you had to upswing on a rope to even get to the monkey bars. And that was the easiest one of them all. But the con like, and then I think we ran a decent distance, and then it was just obstacle, 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 water, <laughs> obstacle, 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 and the rigs were, I mean, the shortest rig, it's it was longer. I felt like all the rigs were just longer. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, there were a couple that were probably thirty feet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Longer and more technical, or just longer? Yeah, a lot more technical. So you weren't allowed to touch anything but the grip and they had no issues telling you no and mm. we had to run journeyman because we're not european so ah. even journeyman had to follow all of the same rules interesting yeah even like journeyman was competitive so even journeyman had to follow all of the same rules um as uh, age group and elite you couldn't if you touched a strap you lost your band and explain the bands. Did, did we, we touch on that? We haven't touched on that yet, have we? So yeah, that's it's a, a new concept. That's a and part. I, yeah, it, you run, they give you three bands to start and all of the grip obstacles, they gave you a list of obstacles that were one attempt only. And if you failed, you lost a band. Uh, there were obstacles that were mandatory. So any of the carries were mandatory. The warped wall was mandatory. So anything pretty much but the grip obstacles were mandatory completion. If you couldn't do it, then you just DNF'd. So it put a whole new spin on, you can't try that rig twice. You'll lose a band. And at the finish line, if you had all three bands, you went straight through the finish line and you were done. If you lost one band, you had to pick up a chain. And it, I mean, legit chain. Like how heavy was that? guy's chain close to 100 pounds it was supposedly yeah. a spartan obstacle that they use commonly in europe this looked like i mean it was a chain and you had to walk <laughs> probably two tenths two to three tenths of a mile with it if you lost two bands you had to do two mile or two laps with that chain yeah. and then you could go through the finish line yeah, but if you lost penalty that was the penalty if you lost all three bands then you dnf'd Gotcha. Interesting. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Obviously, that helps with a lot better with tr with flow through of the course, right? Because yeah. then yeah. you have less people crowded at obstacles trying again. I'll say on some of the yeah. negative side, like some of my favorite moments from OCRWC are like watching people who've been failing for, you know, 20 times and then getting across. Um, yeah. You know, like some of that, to me, that's some of that's like the most emotional moments of the, of the whole right. event. The uh, so we'll, mentality going in where you're like, oh, my grip is like, is starting to fatigue. I have a grip obstacle coming. I'll just try it and see where I'm at. You couldn't have that mentality because you couldn't cut off. Like if you come off, you're done and you right. lose a band. Right. 
So there's and, much more of a mental component running in it. So did you like did you like that uh, option, or do you like uh, the way it kind of is in the U.S., where it's like you get as many retries as you want, but you know once you lose the band, it's over. I think I'm split. I actually like that option, and I think the main reason I like that option is you re- it brings a whole new component to racing it brings a i have to know where my grip is i have to be a little more dialed in with where i'm at physically and if an obstacle is brand new to you like in all the obstacles for doug and i were brand new when we ran the short course it, like it brings a level of experience to it because we had never touched that stuff before and so it was like oh what is this like what is this going to be like and you kind of have to f- decode and figure out on the obstacle. But it also allows if there's an obstacle you just can't do or you're racing and you you know you would get stuck there for a minute, but it's only one obstacle, you give up a band and say, I'm willing to carry that chain because I can s- stay ahead. I'm not going to get stuck here all day. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's pros and cons to each, you know, um, mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. curious on on your take on it. So on the on the salmon ladder obstacle, was it just a standard salmon ladder, or did they did they have a way to reset the bar? You know, you like had to reset to... all of your own stuff. Gotcha. Kind of like a every... Gibbons. Where yeah. You, you... So yeah, even the pegboard, you had to get your pegs out. The um, ring hopper, you had to take your rings off and put them back. You had to reset your salmon ladder. The salmon ladder was uphill, but the bar spun, so it was a spinner bar. And then there was a bell, and you had to reach the bell. Gotcha. I know. So the, so it's angled like the salmon ladder wasn't perfectly vertical. It was like angled 45 degrees forward. Yeah. Kind of so like the, you, the one they used to have at Tough Mudder in the uh, festival mm-hmm. area, if anyone mm-hmm. remembers that. Yeah. 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 It was pretty, and it was towards the end. It was in the gauntlet of obstacles. So Doug, I know you posted a pretty cool video of at least one of the obstacles where it was like a ring, and you, you kind of traverse on the ring, and it, it rotates the the, yeah. the bar over. So yeah. um, tell us tell us some of the more unique obstacles. Sound like that, or you know yeah. whatever else you saw. Yeah, that the name of that they several rigs. They just had numbers like a code number, and that was rig six hundred. Um, and it was built by an Italian company called Adam Sport. And you, I mean, you see their banner on the side of it if you watch that video, but um. Yeah, you'd, you'd traverse a pipe that was welded to a wheel on a bearing. And as you got to the wheel, you had to grab the rim of the wheel and just work your way across it. And as you did, it rotated the pipe up and over you and set it down to form the rest of the lane that you needed to traverse across to continue. And then there was a rope to make a transition onto a second one of those. And then you came off and hit the bell. The but, hover uh, was turning the wheel it was heavy yeah and the and it was they built it with like a bungee to pull it back to the start Mm -hmm. position so you know even though you're using your body weight to pull that bar over and down it had a lot of resistance to try and pull back against you so like every time you swung and kind of went weightless to move your hand forward it was like trying to move back (laughs) so so that yeah, that was a extremely ingenious obstacle. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants um, to see a video of it, June twenty third on the Mudgear Battle Lines page, you can scroll back and you'll see Doug uh, messing around on it. 
Yeah. I yeah. have a lot of and obstacles I, that I videoed because I caught Doug on the long race at the end that I just haven't posted yet. So I haven't posted about the race yet. So I have a like a bunch of their obstacles. Yeah. That I videoed. Yeah. Yeah, there were there were a ton of rigs. Um <laughs> in in the fifteen K I counted let me see if I wrote it down. Um fifteen rigs, I believe. Oof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. How, how long so, so, how long did the fifteen K take you? And then compare that to how long it takes you typically at like OCRWC. <laughs> <laughs> it took me right at three hours, yeah. um, but that also included the three thousand feet of elevation. Yeah, uh, which put me down to walking for a good bit of the uphill parts. Well, in the uphill um, parts, you can speak to they had people in climbing gear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the the uphill part was following uh, kind of like logging roads, but they were pretty well maintained i guess they probably use them in the winter time for winter access on the ski slope but they zigzagged through the woods and had some nice switchbacks and you did it was scenic and didn't feel like a death hike you know um so at, once you got to the top like like there was a long section of going uphill where there was just no obstacles they probably couldn't even get them up there but but then coming down, it was pretty direct down, and it was in some areas that obviously weren't groomed for ski slope. And they actually had a mountain rescue group, like with climbing gear, like sitting by the trail, and like like you're doing these little switchbacks. But like if you went off trail, like missed the switchback and went straight, I guess they were planning on having to do some rope type rescues to pull people. <laughs> back out out the mountain <laughs> it it made you take it very seriously <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always yeah. wonder how much that stuff is imposed by the venue and how much is the race company yeah well, i can tell you yeah, they definitely. made us get an ekg we had to go get an ekg in order to even attend the race really we had to get doctor's yes. permission uh-huh. yeah we had to a full sports to go physical. Get a full physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plus plus the EKG part. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, they, I, I, I guess we shouldn't complain as much about some of the barriers to entry here in the U.S. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, that, uh, that also made us take it seriously what we were getting into. <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking, "What are we doing?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. So yeah. But. Evan, looking at um, some of the other rigs, there were, there was a rig called the Shanghai rig. <laughs> this was only in the 15K. And it was mm-hmm. one where it was it, there were two poles hanging with a hook on mm-hmm. the top, and it was yeah, hooked through right. a, a metal ring that swings. And there was about six or eight rings to traverse across. And so you had to get a hold of the pole, you know, like a stripper pole kind of thing, and while you're hanging on one, unhook the other pole and move it ahead and hook it into the next ring. Mm-hmm. And then move your body onto that, reach back, unhook the pole from behind you, move it forward and hook to the next ring and, you know, keep swinging on through the rig. With It took about six moves to get through to hit the bell. Mm. Um, that, that about cost me uh, a band. <laughs> 
it, it was uh, because the poles were probably three inch diameter wood. Um, the top half was painted kind of rough, you know, like with city paint, but the bottom half was very smooth. And, uh, and that was probably seven miles into the race, mm. maybe eight. And mm. I'd already done a lot of stuff up till that point, but I have a lot of respect for that rig. Yeah. yeah. That, that, I've, I mean, I've done similar obstacles at like ninja gyms, but that's either yes, it's either ninja. It's either super easy based on uh, like how well your shoes grip to it, or it's super hard. Yeah, it's usually one yeah. one extreme or the other, kind yeah. of how. Yeah, so yeah. They, I, I just I found with it being a larger diameter, it just it really made it harder to grip, harder to get your feet on it. Um, my shoes, you know, I have very grippy VJ shoes, but uh, the bottom was just super smooth from everybody else using it. I guess right. And sometimes on some of those things, actually, like the, a flatter sole bottom is actually better just because there's more right. surface area stuck to it. Yeah, like sure. a Ninja 2 versus a right. trail shoe. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it really depends on – there's a lot of factors in there that go into it. But whew, any, uh, any kind of final thoughts on um, European championships? You know, did you find what you were looking for? Is it worth going to? You know, either one wants to share their thoughts there. For me, it Lisa? definitely – it was it was nice to know what you don't know, you know, because I said it's great to have a podium at a on a world level, but when you go to Europe, it's what don't I know? And I think we learned really fast that there's a, there is a big difference between the obstacles that you see in the U.S. and the obstacles that they're given in Europe. I would do the race again, hands down. It felt it was very well run. It was very professional. And the, it felt like the same OCR community. Everyone was very welcoming and we got to talk to so many people from different countries. It was really unique. Um, I just, it, it was definitely different. I mean, it was very hard. I think that relating it to what everyone probably went through at Indian mud run this weekend is very similar, you know, cause gotcha. I kept saying, I don't know how many, even journeymen felt highly competitive. There was no, nobody running, drinking, you know, it was just very professional of a course. I'm going to real quick. There's a great Daniel Leonard story from uh, OCR World Championships last year where he's Mm -hmm. doing the 3K and he runs by, if you don't know, Daniel Leonard was my pacer at OCR Everest, pacer from Netherlands. So he's running the the three, he's doing the 3K, like mid race, right? Fast, furious, you know, you can't stop. (laughs) And yeah. as he's as he's jogging by, he sees Lindsay Webster kind of watching on the sideline, and he's like, yeah. "Hey, you're Lindsay Webster, right?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Cool." So he starts talking to her, and then like <laughs> someone else comes over and starts talking to her, and then she realizes that he's on the wrong side of like the course side of the tape, and she's like, "Are are you running?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We we'll talk a little bit longer, and then I'll I'll finish my race." And she's just like completely baffled. <laughs> and he, you know, he traveled all that way, and he's stopping mid race yeah, yeah. to say yeah. hi to her. Kind of yeah, I yeah. think there were at, OC, uh, at European. I think there were four Americans total. So yeah. Doug and I were two, and we brought a friend, so we were three. Nice. And then there was a, actually a guy that came from the U.S. just to because he wanted to see the obstacles. So um, I think he's a traditional, like open wave runner. I think he does a lot of Spartans. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he does more yeah. mountain courses, things like that. So yeah, yeah it was so, we were. Definitely the minority. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the race 
technically wasn't open to us, but Lisa had contacted them a while back and asked, you know, what what would we be allowed to do if we could jump through all the hoops? Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes I sense. Guess, that makes sense too. The run in the open. I mean, you wouldn't want if you had an right. American champions, you don't want a bunch of Europeans coming over and like winning. That's kind of that's exactly what they said. We can't. It doesn't make any sense. Podium. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't make any yeah. sense. So and so of yeah, course I, we were nervous I, to run in the journeyman wave, but. I mean, the, there were some very good journeymen. Yeah, like you could very, very just good. to look at them, you would not know the not difference. Not know they were journeymen. And, and honestly, I think a lot of them were probably excellent athletes that just hadn't run a race that qualified them because Correct. there was only a select number of races around Europe that would qualify into this at all. Oh, interesting. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they One, definitely, you would have thought it was another age group running through one more one other thing i wanted to mention about just kind of overall thoughts like i definitely enjoyed it and definitely set the bar another level higher for myself mm -hmm. and i mm -hmm. came out of it super proud of myself because i i kept all three bands on the short course and only lost one band on the long course um which just meant like i i knew my training was dialed in like like i've been working so hard on ninja stuff and like that is exactly mm -hmm. what it took to get through everything. Right. Right. Um, but a, a, a huge shout out to volunteers at this thing. Like, yeah. like they were, they were volunteers. They weren't paid. They wore the shirt and they took this stuff so seriously. Oh, yeah. And they knew their obstacle backwards and forwards. Yeah. And they were on people like a real referee. You know, there was no gray areas, no mm -mm. letting somebody mm -mm. slip through. I've I've mm -mm. never seen volunteers that were so on top of it. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And the rules so big, were the rules. Yeah. Big shout out to the race organizers that train them to be that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's great to have professional quality volunteers. And, you know, I think if yeah. you're, we, it, it's always hard because you're, you're asking for, you're asking people to volunteer their time and then you're essentially telling them to be very strict and you might have actually have to be mean to people. Um, exactly. You know, we're naturally, we're, I don't think we're inclined to do that, especially, you know, uh, just kind of common courtesy. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. There was, and there was several obstacles where when I, approached it i said do i need to touch the first thing you know can i jump out on it or you know can i use my feet on this part you know think those kind of right. questions and they knew right away and even even with some language barrier you know i kind of did sign language pointing to my feet or hands or whatever and they understood what i was trying to get at yeah. so yeah. that was very helpful awesome yeah well, and sounds their low rigs were low yeah <laughs> their low rigs are very low to the ground Sounds sounds like a really good event. All right, so we talked a little bit about European Championships. Let's talk about National Ninja League and uh, their World Championships. So tell us, whoever wants to go, just tell us a little bit. One, how you qualified, and then two, uh, where was the event, and then kind of the format. Doug, that's um, you. Okay, we had an area qualifier that was nearby in Pensacola, Florida. Um, and in, an, in a gym, well. correct? Was that a, just like a yeah, local gym? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's Ninja Life in Pensacola. Um, and then doing well there sent us to the regional in South Carolina, uh, which I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. It was um, a cool gym. But it was a it was a full scale gym, like it would mm -hmm. it felt like all Ninja Warrior, like T V mm -hmm. size stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then doing well there sent us off to the finals. Doug had an amazing regional run. Like he's being humble. His regional run was absolutely amazing. Thanks. So, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I made yeah. it to second to the last obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But I, I had my, I had it dialed in pretty good at that one. <laughs> well, he beat a lot of the top masters males that are even do very well on the TV show. So nice. it was super impressive. Nice. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And then how was, where was Worlds and how was, like, what kind of format was it? Okay, so Worlds was Greenville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because Regionals was South counter. Carolina, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and it was in a, a, a big arena, you know, like a stadium. Um, and the format, they'd kind of divided into quarters. So there was a full, full rig, full competition area in each of the quarters where the different age groups were kind of broken out so that there were runs going in all these parts all the time because oh there, were, there were so many competitors. It was so oh packed in there. I mean, you talk about a large scale event. It was, <laughs> it was almost annoying because they were just like to move around there. Everywhere, because everybody want, wanted to watch their people, and then they had other people in like a different division, so they had to get to another part of the arena, mm-hmm. and and uh, just people migrating all over. But but it also made it so it flowed well with so many people being competitors. They were able to accommodate everyone. Yeah, I think there was one, two, three, four, five, or six different courses set up, but they all were the same just modified for the ages and levels yeah but all the courses were identical yeah i thought that was a really neat idea and it was was it dgs designs that yeah um they were using kind of the same company and it's a i believe a ninja founded gymnastics Mm -hmm, that's a gymnastics company oh i'm sorry yeah okay and Mm -hmm. uh and just by scaling the obstacle it was just neat like things were farther apart or smaller grips on it or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, going from course to course, you can see the similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also had the skills challenge running at the same time, mm-hmm. which was kind of in the middle of everything. Um, <laughs> and that was something you could walk up and do at any point during the weekend. Um, and that mm-hmm. was, we were, oh, we, do we have were given times. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had start times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but it was running continuously all weekend. Yeah, it was running continuously all weekend because uh, there was only two courses for skills. There was the younger kids course. So it was the same skills, but again, modified size-wise. So it was a course for the younger kids and then the adult course. So there was only yeah. two two tiers of the skills testing. Yeah, and that, that was also four components, right? Mm-hmm. There was more than that. We had... Okay. It was the saucer lache. It was the lache bars off of the quintuple steps. It was the devil steps. It was what else was in there? I think there was only four. I thought there was five. Yeah, I was thinking four, but mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was, but it was, it was the sort of thing where it was like, how many times can you go back and forth? Oh, there's cliffhanger. On, on the double stairs, mm-hmm. you know, within a minute or whatever the time limit was, or how many, how many times back and forth on the monkey bars can you go? So mm-hmm. definitely favorite people that can link cliches. That's a mm-hmm. very special, special skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Well, and you did all of your skills testing like back to back. So you would go in and they gave us a time of stage one runs and then you had your skill testing time. And so you would have to go in for uh, stage one and then you would have to either go back or you would have skills before. Some people had skills. They tried to break it up with where you run in stage one so that you weren't going back to back because skills would, I mean, it's five as many times as you can or four as many things as you can so going on cliffhanger as many times down as back as you can but then you'd have about a 30 second rest till you went to devil steps how many times in a minute can you go up and down devil steps as many times as you can and then you had like 30 seconds to rest before laches how many laches can you do in a minute so your grip afterwards was pretty well toast and it was you had to kind of figure out well if i do five of these it's going to toast my grip so it's going to affect the next comp you know the next test so Mm -hmm. interesting strategy there Mm -hmm. so i know you both you compete in ninja also in addition to doing ocr any um tips or recommendations for people that are maybe have done primarily ocr that might be looking to get into a little more of some of the ninja scene or kind of or maybe even some you know like um, you know, here's a good, here's why it's a good idea or not, maybe not get a good idea, et cetera. Challenges. I, I mean, I think that Ninja is a, a natural progression. If you're really enjoying your OCR because, you know, your obstacle proficiency is, you're just building on that, uh, as you go into Ninja. Um, and you know, things like being good at rope, a rope climb, I think, is kind of a fundamental grip and strength right. thing that, you know, if you're if you're a good rope climber, then you're going to do well in ninja with some practice at a ninja gym. Right. Um, and if you run an OCR course and your favorite part about it was the obstacles was the monkey bars and stuff, then you need to go try ninja. You need to just go do it and realize that things that – you think there's no way somebody can do that. And then you watch them do it times. <laughs> like, there's no way they're going to make that. And then it's like, Oh, never mind. They're going to make that and they're going to link it. And they're, you know, um, so it's just even to go watch a ninja course, just to be on site at NNL worlds was just amazing. It was just amazing to see what athletes are capable of doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they did and a really like nice eight year olds. You know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, kids like that were definitely doing better at some stuff than I would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, and it makes sense. You know, I've, I've always said if you want to, um, to be the best OCR race you can be, you should do train obstacles with ninjas and then train running with mm-hmm. pure runners. And then, exactly. um, you know, exactly. once or twice a week, you kind of either put it out all together with a, another training group or you are on your own just to – you know, it'll it'll just pull you to a higher level because you're trying to compete with people who are essentially better than you. Just like um, you know, just like an MMA person has 
a grappling Correct. coach and a striking coach, Correct. et cetera. Right? So. Well, and I think that because of Ninja, you have to learn how to obstacle decode. And mm-hmm. I think that that has been, that benefited us greatly going to European championships. Right. Is understanding the biomechanics behind it because you really have to understand that in uh, Ninja. Yeah. So it makes you kind of a more intelligent racer. I hate to say that, but a more intelligent racer. So more t- well, tactical. Like, we'll use the term yeah, tactical. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. you don't have to, maybe I can make that rig in less moves. I don't, I'm not going to use every single grip. So things like that. Yeah. yeah. And skip the hard pieces when you know you can swing past them. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what else yeah. do you guys have on your schedule uh, this year? That we should look out for you two at or individually oh, man. yeah I know. We actually said that i we haven't even sat down and look fully looked at a schedule yeah yeah i've got yeah. um i know i've got battle of the lions is still coming up yeah, later this year two of those um, and in fall there'll be some savage more, sa- more savage mm-hmm. for sure and probably another spartan mm-hmm. um World's toughest mutter is right next to the house. Yes, that's right. Finally, it's near us. <laughs> All right, I, I, I know. I'm going to get involved with that. <laughs> yeah. So we always said that. Uh, I said I'm not an endurance runner, but I'm like, well, how can you pass that up when it's how far is it from our house? Like less than an hour. It's about an hour, hour mm-hmm. fifteen maybe. Why mm-hmm. am I not just staying with you? That is it. A- <laughs> I know. You could we have training in our house. You can just yeah, come train. You can definitely warm up here. I don't need to. You don't need, the thing of the 24-hour race, you don't need to warm up. If you see someone warming up, it's all wasting energy. Right? Exactly. Here's what I look like. Course. What I look yeah. like before a 12 and 24 hour race is I'm laying in my tent, not moving. Yeah. Yeah. And no jogging, no walking. Yeah. Look, we can bring you the camper with AC. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh well, real quick, uh wanna get get going soon because it's past my bedtime and uh yeah. i'm tired and we're all yeah. old now yeah yeah so. <laughs> i'm I not a master I'm, I'm not a master's yet but we've got about 30 days and i will be uh, so oh that's exciting yeah. watch out yeah. yeah. oh you're uh, still baby i never you're get a break baby. i never yeah. get a break <laughs> you, just, you just get people people keep aging into your your age bracket there. i know i know i just want to have my space grandmasters that's right yeah when are they going to create a grandmasters in ocr <laughs> that's a good point you know yeah so well actually rugged maniac actually does they call it masters but it's grandmasters so oh wow. rugged maniac is uh their older age group is 50 plus oh wow i did not know that yeah. So if you want to go, yeah, but I, I want to say they only do OCR. I want to say they only do groups are messed up yeah. too. So I, I'm sorry. I want to say Rugged only does one deep though for Grandmasters. So I think you got to win. Well, well uh, nothing. But but Doug, I think you would win all of them. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I would. You I would uh, yeah. I would definitely try my best to win. <laughs> Just in case. So yeah, I I did a local. No, event uh, is called the Filthy Monkey. So that was I actually did the Frozen Monkey, which is their wintertime version. Um, so I, when I did the Frozen Monkey, it was a month after World's Toughest, and I hadn't run a single step since World's Toughest. And I showed up to the Frozen Monkey back in December, and there was 
like an entire high school sports team there. Yes. And it was, wow. it was, it was literally like a hundred meters out and back into her field. And then like a hundred meters of all obstacles. Right. Yes. And, and these, these young kids were all fast twitch muscle and I was <laughs> running so hard trying to beat them. <laughs> and, and about halfway through the obstacle goal that I finally, um, I finally gapped the one that was still with me. And I put, mm-hmm. I put like probably 30 seconds on him in like, you know, 40 yeah. feet or something, something ridiculous. Right. Cause he basically uh, blew up and, at that point but anyway so we did i decided up for the filthy monkey and my teammate thomas plush decided he was going to come down it was the week after 12 hour toughest and a week before ocr everest so sandwiched between two major endurance efforts and this this one had a a little bit longer of a run maybe um i don't know maybe half mile so it spaced it out a little bit further and then you went into the obstacle gauntlet and the obstacle gauntlet is like in, in this fencing area, you know, standard, standard obstacles. It's got a monkey bars. It's got a rope climb. It's got a couple of walls. It's got low crawl. It's got a, um, you know, a frame cargo net. It's got a traverse wall. It's got tires. You run through tires. You go underneath they, for the summer version. They put a slip and slide out. So you're supposed to kind of slide across. Um, the final obstacle is a zigzag balance beam over water with uh, water falling down from up top. So it kind of nice. adds some distraction. So it was a it's fun like local event. <laughs> yeah, it was like a, it was a fun local event. Um, yeah, that's awesome. You know, it was super, uh, entry was super cheap. So, um, you know, and it was, obviously it's super close to me. Like I drive essentially that distance to work every day. So that was, that's that was a nice touch. Uh, but yeah, so, so Thomas Plus shows up. I'm like, thanks, dude. So, so, so the two of us take off. I'm, I'm trailing behind him, and I'm like, I'll just stay, stay close to him, and hopefully he'll mess up, and then I can pass him. And um, <laughs> he did not mess up, unfortunately. But I, I, I did, I did make him run hard enough that we crossed the finish line, and he threw up his beet juice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yes. That's, so that's, that's awesome. I, you know, we, I was probably 15, maybe 20 seconds behind. I think I was about 20 seconds behind him. And the, here's the other funny part. So it was advertised as a, um, I can't remember what distance, 3K, whatever it was advertised as. So it, it was shorter than advertised, which is not uncommon in OCR, right? We have, that happens right. literally right. all the right. time. And sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's longer. When the timing company set up the uh, timing parameters, they set like a lower limit and an upper limit, or they just set a lower limit, right? So in case someone like triggers the timing mat accidentally, so you can't, you can't have like a time of like, 30 seconds right so i think i think they set the lower limit at like six minutes or something so me and tom actually ran below the planned lower limit because the course was (laughs) as long as it should be so we crossed the finish line and tom's like yeah the uh we're not listed in the results i was like why not he's like well we ran too fast and i was like no seriously dude like why aren't we in the results and he's like no seriously we ran too fast he's like you should have gone slower he explains the lower (laughs) parameter thing and i was like oh so um it, I, we got a great picture of the two of us right after crossing the finish line are doubled over at like both gasping for air. Right. Cause it was, you know, five minutes, about five minutes and about 15 seconds plus or minus 15 seconds of like all out yeah. effort. Yeah. And, um, I just, I just think it's funny. Like, Oh, here's this local OCR and, uh, we got two pros here and the two of us look terrible. Right. Like, <laughs> like doubled over gasping for one's air. Throwing up. Yeah, one's throwing up. And it's, it's, it's throwing up red, right. Cause the beach you. So it looks oh, like, God. you know, um, but it was just, uh, it's just, it's amazing. just, 
you know, Rachel, Rachel Ann, who works for OCR World Championships, always when people always complain that the race is too easy, she yeah. always goes, did you win? And they're like, no. And she's like, well, you should have ran harder then. It wouldn't have been so right. easy. That's and uh, to me, that was like the perfect example of that, where th this, you know, nothing was technically mm -hmm. difficult, but the two of us were just running as hard as we possibly could. Um, right. That's awesome. And, uh, well, we have been doing, we've done a couple uh, terrain races and because you bring your friends, like they actually, we, we've had to run. <laughs> I was like, like they actually got hard because you actually run really fast to try to keep up because the competitiveness, even though it's a non-competitive race, it's highly competitive because we're racing each other. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. How's speaking of which how's terrain doing? Are they, do they still have some of the old obstacles like the monkey ball grips you know what i'm talking about yeah i don't um, like the, i don't remember anything being challenging yeah the the rigs had uh like rings yeah, to horizontal them. pipes mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. it was they were significant obstacles actually yeah uh, not a whole bunch of obstacles but just several that were like decent rigs the tarzan rope ropes were surprisingly like yes. technical mm, yeah yeah because they're far apart so you have to yeah. build swing while you're on it and huge huge attendance at, at the yeah. what was it pensacola pensacola holy that was cow a lot of people. there must have been four thousand people there really um, yeah the one in new orleans was dead it was really quiet. <laughs> it was like it was horrible too they made us just run all the way out and then we came back and did some obstacles but there was alligators in the water so that was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> like real alligators <laughs> so that was pretty neat that made its own obstacle yeah, if, if, interesting. if some of our mm -hmm. listeners aren't uh, you haven't been around for a while so terrain race used to do prize money used to do competitive heats they mm -hmm. sold it to a parent they sold it to a different company the new company's marketing scheme is essentially the race is free but then they mm -hmm. like hit you with an, an insurance fee they hit you with a parking fee so you end up oh, paying yeah. what do you pay 20, right. 30 bucks or something yeah yeah yeah, but well, the yes. Pensacola race we actually had to pay for. It's only free now up until a certain point, and then it's not yeah. free. But I remember the race that we paid for almost equaled the same amount as the free race. Yeah, yeah. So they hit mm -hmm. you with all these like hidden fees, mm -hmm. but they get yep. people in the door, and then hopefully they mm -hmm. buy yep. some merchandise and some other stuff. So you know, yeah. and it, 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 I'm sure it boosts their numbers considerably. So you know, I wonder, I wonder well, what it's that good for OCR because it's people that never run ocr but they're like oh it's free let's go oh that's true yeah i, mm -hmm. I mean theoretically mm -hmm. that could replace the warrior dash the yeah um, yeah and some of those yeah. other brands that have, have gone under those kind of beginner brands so yeah, yeah interesting yeah. you don't you don't hear much about terrain race i think all the most of the people i in the crowds we run in are not i no longer go to them so no they were so much we, it was so much fun though but like i said we yeah. brought our own competition yeah, so, it happened to be free weekends, and it's it, honestly it's one of the only OCRs that's in our region. Mm -hmm. So it's like Besides if you well, have a free weekend, you well, might as well go. Yeah, might as well just drive an hour and have a fun race and bring a friend and actually yeah. race. Yeah. So for those those of you who are uh, looking to get some of your friends into OCR, that might be might be a good option, mm -hmm. and then you mm -hmm. can. You use that as the uh, the free sample there, and then you, they get hooked. Yeah, and, yeah and then all of, exactly. All of a sudden, but you're fun. You're I flying mean, they to really Europe. Are fun. The obstacles are <laughs> the, <laughs> the obstacles are hard enough to be fun, if that makes sense. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. sense to me. I th- yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to start wrapping things up. Um, I normally do tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you, but I think I've used, do you have one of you a good one that we haven't used yet? I mean, I'm out. I mean, uh, yours are probably, pretty excellent. Yeah. Well, Doug, yeah. you go since you're, since you're on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a man of mystery and have a lot of things that people don't know about me. So it's actually true. You have to be careful here. And there's there's some stuff I'm probably not going to share. Yeah, no. There's stuff I'll I don't let, even know and I don't want to Keep know. a PG here. Let's keep a PG. Yeah. Also. yeah. yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll keep it very G-rated, but just kind of outside of my OCR world, I've um, – I've been very involved in church, and I've been a church musician for a, a number of years playing guitar. And uh, a lot of people don't know that; like they they think that I'm just all about athletics, and um, that's all I do. But uh, I do have my fine arts side. <laughs> uh, I'm a music I mean, teacher, a piano teacher. I mean, I learned you have music. I learned you have musical skill, and you're involved in church. So that's that's a double. Double interesting one. So, yeah. I have an interesting, another one about Doug. Oh, go for it, Sharon. That Doug became a grandpa this year. Oh, Grandpa Doug. Amazing. <laughs> My new favorite fun fact. Dang it. You really upstaged me on that one. Not many yep. people know about that. He keeps that hidden yep. too. Old Grandpa yep. Doug. Or maybe yep. Sophia. Still winning races. Yep. Amazing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and i mean she's she's five months old now and yeah. um mm-hmm. my son already knows that she's going to start rock climbing within the next maybe six or nine months yeah. so gonna yeah. start getting into toddler climbing nice poor kid she doesn't really have a choice <laughs> yeah so my son my son actually got me into rock climbing when he was about 14 or 15 years old and he's 22 now um so i haven't been climbing all my life and uh i said well we're gonna we're gonna keep it in the family so one i'm glad well i'm not glad i i'm upset i didn't know that before we ordered mud gear battle line protein jerseys if you haven't seen them you can check them out they're on all of our athletes um, and then also there the there's a gold version that's up for sale publicly now. So if anyone wants a mud gear or a Battle cool. of Lines mud gear shirt, it's on Legendborn. Um, so you can check that out. But our, ours are the black and gold. The ones on sale publicly are the gold and black. So the first color being the primary color. So one, I would have I would have made your shirt, Grandpa Doug, um, without without telling you. <laughs> but I didn't I, I didn't have I didn't have time to do that. So no worries on that. Um, connecting to yours. I'm not a grandpa, um, <laughs> no. but but I was I was an altar boy growing up. So I used to, nice. uh, yeah, you know, you put on the robes and you uh, hold candles and and yep. kind of interesting related to my current uh, endurance thing. So there's a there's a thing at church uh, during Holy Week where they have two altar boys guard essentially the epitaphion. It's like a it's a it's a, essentially a piece of cloth that has Jesus on it. So it's supposed to represent the the angels of the guards guarding the tomb of Jesus. So they have two altar boys stand there, and the, the service is very long. So they normally change people out about every 15 minutes. So me and one of the guys who was my pacers from the first OCR America, Sty, uh, who I'm the he's the, he was my best man at my wedding. I'm the best man at his wedding. Uh, coming up, the 
so we showed up to church that day and we're like we're gonna go out there don't change us out and they're like are you, sh- are you sure like it's a really yeah. long time and like people pass out a lot when they do this and we're like oh well no. we're like no we're good um so that was like it was like an endurance standing contest where essentially the two of us just stood there i think it was for like an hour and a half um, oh, without moving your you know the, the rule is you're not allowed to move your feet so you can't adjust you can't fidget uh but you're standing kind of standing there holding like a you know, a five foot candle. So it's re- that's resting on the floor. But yeah, that was my, that was my first kind of like, I have a bad idea. Let's do this and uh, uh-huh. make it slightly painful <laughs> challenge. Your first endurance event. Yeah. So that, you know, that goes back to, uh, we, we had to be boy, endurance. early, I'm guessing early high school, uh, yeah, yeah. ninth or 10th grade, I'm guessing. So, uh, but yeah, kind of oh. interesting story there. Speaking of endurance, um, one, if you haven't seen the OCR Everest documentary shot by Bobby Ross, it is now up on YouTube. Go subscribe to Strength and Speed YouTube. We are going to make kind of a push in the next year or two to kind of really produce some nice uh, YouTube content. So we need subscribers to make that important um, and to show, pe- show people that they're actually watching and they care so we can continue to produce content. If not, then I will uh, essentially give up after a couple of years of effort on YouTube. So Go and head over and subscribe to Strength and Speed. We've also launched a Patreon channel. Again, the idea is um, um, I can't just take Bobby away from his actual job and have him film awesome stuff. So at some, <laughs> at some point, we need to fund some of our, our stupid adventures. So uh, we're gonna I'm gonna drop a Patreon link down below. But there's some there's some options to help kind of fund that. So the the Patreon will have benefits that uh, one reflect on the podcast and two reflect on you know some some free stuff that I will physically send you. So you'll actually get something in return, but then the, the funding of the Patreon essentially will all go to the film production of, of stuff we're working on. Uh, we've also got the ultra OCR man documentary coming up, but first that's go to, got to go to film festivals first before we can share that publicly. That one's 24 minutes. The OCR Everest one is 10 minutes. It's awesome. Bobby did a great job, even though I tortured him all night making him pace <laughs> me. It was, I mean, it was, I felt so bad. I, I, I tortured that, that pacing curve. They were, they, that was a bad one. So, uh, yeah, go go check out the OCR Everest documentary on YouTube, please. And then it's also up on Facebook. Um, so what, I encourage you to watch the one on YouTube and then share the one on Facebook because most people are too lazy to click on the, the YouTube link. Um, so the one that's on my uh, Strength and Speed Facebook page, share that one around because that, that one kind of where we it gets a lot of views on that. So especially especially any groups that I'm not in or you know, friends you have that would think it would be interesting, feel free to send it to them. We've got articles coming out on OCR Buddy and the OCR Report. Uh, come up, the OCR Buddy one talks about some of the equipment I used at uh, OCR Everest. You can check that one out. There's the one on the OCR Report that I think has a recap. And then also check the Strength and Speed website. We're doing a virtual uh, OCR Everest like mini competition. So it's one-tenth the height of Everest, so 2,900 feet. Uh, 2,903 feet plus, I think, 28 obstacles, kind of done at your own pace. So essentially, mm-hmm. you need to donate 50 bucks to the fundraiser. Uh, you get entered in, and then between now and July 22nd, uh, whoever does the fastest time uh, will get some prizes. So I've got – I have prizes that we're not giving away that I need to get rid of. So $100 so – first and second place male and female will get a $100 Aurora gift card to you know buy whatever you want. You get a $5 mud gear gift card, you get a uh, some squirrels nut butter samples, you get a uh, OCR Everest belt buckle, you get a gold or silver, depending on what place you come in, uh, OCR Everest belt bu- buckle. And then if you go and you compete, but you don't actually uh, win that first or second prize, 
Again, you'll get a $5 OCR, your $5 mug gear gift card. You get squirrels, nut butter, and you'll get a belt buckle as long as you're one of the first, I think, 30 people to send in your mm-hmm. results. So I need to get rid of this stuff. The, uh, <laughs> so please sign up. And again, the $50 donation all, all goes to charity. Like I don't take a cut of that. Um, and I also need to, get rid of these, I need to get rid of these belt buckles. If you've donated $50 before, you don't need to donate $50 again. You're already entered. You just need to send in your results. So you just if, need to go climb. Yeah, you need to go climb. So all, all the climb. details are on the teamstrengthspeed.com website. You can find it under the OCR Everest uh, charity like uh, drop-down tab under Ultra Zoom. It's actually kind of hard to find. I'll just drop the link down below. You'll find Perfect. it. It'll be great. You'll yeah. win $100. Like I, I put out like a virtual one before, and we essentially we had like one person compete. Um, and so I still have all these prizes left over. So we, we got to get rid of them. And you want Aurora heated apparel because it's awesome. So, oh, and then on, on top of that, one of the people who sends in the results will get a free pair of Aurora, not Aurora, UFO's sandals. So oh, nice. I will pick a name out of a hat. It's my favorite. Yes, they're their best. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, even if you came in dead last, um, as long as you send in results, then uh, you're entered into the drawing. So we'll pick someone from that for uh, UFO's. And then you can get some free sandals or slides your choice of style and size. That's what UFOs told me. So good deal there. Uh, I've already plugged on endurance, the book, please pick that up. People have been reading voraciously this month, which I'm super excited with. I think I've sold more books this month than pretty much uh, any other month that I'm aware of besides like when I'd launch a new book. So appreciate all that. Uh, most people are ordering through Amazon. They have, we have digital and hard copy off of Amazon. And then my biography is on, it's the only one on audiobook. You can, you can check that out too on Audible. Anything else before we go? Doug, Lisa? No, that's about it. That's, that's about everything I can think of. <laughs> Sounds good. I've missed both of you. I feel like, um, you know, I, especially Lisa, not, not that I don't miss you, Doug. Uh, <laughs> but I go from, you know, with like Lisa and Ashley, we're both on the team for so long. And then like, yeah. You know, you, you, when you're off the team, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I typically don't message a lot of people because I'm just like so right. business right. focused. So I've missed, uh, I've missed interacting with you and seeing your updates. Um, I know, the craziness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I was, I was jealous of your trip to Europe because you look like you went some awesome places. So real quick, we give did me, some awesome stuff. Give me a quick rundown of where you went. Um, we flew into Belgium, but then we primarily stayed in Italy. We went to Rome before we did the race. So we were in Europe for a week before we raced. And then we went and raced. And then from there, we went to Calamus, which is one of the Greek islands, and did a lot of rock climbing and caving and stuff, and played into the sea, which is absolutely beautiful. And then from there, we went to England, uh, spent a couple of days and spent a couple of days in Paris and then came home. Ah, jealous. Yeah, so we were there for about two and a half weeks, 16 days. So, so. good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, we're going to let you go. Appreciate okay. it. Sounds like a great trip. Um, yeah. Take me with you next time. Absolutely. <laughs> next right, we'll year, the championship. European yeah. Championships is in, where is it? Next, Hungary. It's in Budapest. Hungary. I've never been to mm-hmm. Hungary. I know. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Got to convince Doug. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we'll catch All right. both of you later. Have a good night. All right, All right. thank you, Evan. Mm-hmm.